0: Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Smooth
1: like butter, sweet like honey, looks so good like she made of money. She's
0: blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea
2: K. It's a woman's woman! Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin. I am not Andrea Kay, although I love Andrea Kay. Andrea Kay is a great, great lady and a great American and a great friend of mine. I'm Ed Martin, and I do the Pro-America Report right here on The Answer San Diego, and I'm very proud to do that. Uh, And also, when I need to, when needed, I will fill in for Andrea Kay. That's what I'm doing now. Don't worry, Andrea Kay will be back Uh, we'll be back she will be she's uh, on assignment that's what we always say when people aren't around i don't know if i'm ever supposed to say where she is it's somewhere exciting it's always with andrea it's always exciting and interesting and and happy um so she's great i'm great here great i'm grateful to be here with you uh on the answer san diego we've got a great show we've got some lined up in these two hours some key folks i like to put my own stamp on it um this this first hour, we'll first catch up with John Schlafly, my old friend and colleague. I work for the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national nonprofit that does pro-family, pro-life, uh, pro-America first policies all across the country. And uh, John Schlafly and I work together, and he's great. He is the oldest son of the late Phyllis Schlafly, the iconic conservative who's been such a great leader. And uh, we'll also talk with Dr. Paul Kangor about this issue of these crazy, crazy uh fall from the sky now we shoot them down uh chinese spy balloons that now it's like if there's a plastic bag floating over san diego joe biden's gonna prove he's tough and he's gonna go shoot it down there's now i think there's been four total paul kangor's got a perspective He's a historian, a political science professor, historian, author, uh, and he he taps into his history and knowledge, uh, particularly of Reagan. When the uh, Soviets uh, tried to challenge Reagan, uh, what he did and how he reacted, needless to say, uh, our president is not reacting as well as I think many of us uh, would have liked and would like to see. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll uh, uh, touch base and we'll also catch up this hour uh, with um, – Woody Woodrum, our old friend Woody Woodrum, one of San Diego's great conservatives, going to get an update from him. I was talking offline with him on what's going on in California. Is the California GOP, uh, stuck? I mean, it's not winning many races. And so is it stuck? Uh, we'll find out. We'll get uh, more from him, uh, and to, to catch up. All right. I want to open though. I want to set the table because next hour we'll get to it, uh, with an interview, but I want to set the table. Um, One of the most pressing things that we have to discuss is January 6th. And it gets people nervous. People get nervous because there were some people that acted like idiots. They broke windows, they pushed a cop, punched a cop. But what's happening with the Department of Justice and how they are handling this is absolutely stunning. I'm an attorney. I'm Ed Martin, by the way, filling in for Andrea Kay. If you're just tuning in, you're wondering what happened to Andrea Kaye's voice as she's not transitioning. It's Ed Martin. I'm in for Andrea Kaye tonight and today. And, uh, and here's the thing. I, I am um, an attorney. You know, with one hat, I wear a hat that runs a nonprofit, pro-family, pro-life, uh, pro-America First, uh, the uh, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. But I'm also an attorney licensed in Missouri and D.C. And I got drawn in because I'm licensed in D.C. And I represent three of the guys in jail for January 6th. And their stories are harrowing because they're facing years and years and years in prison for things that should be minor. But and this is what I want you to focus on. The prosecutors are out of control. And even the liberal uh, lawyers that I'm working with that I know here that are uh, in, in D.C. think it's crazy. We've got to get to the bottom of why January 6th is so important to the left and the Democrats, because it's tearing the country apart. It's gutting our, our legal system. They're, they're, they're changing the rules. So we've got to cover that. All right, but I'm going to do that next hour. Anyway, I'm happy to be here. I'm filling in for Andrea Kay. I'm Ed Martin. Uh, we're, when we come back, we'll talk with John Schlafly. I want to get right into it. Guests, John Schlafly of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Thank you for listening on The Answer San Diego and supporting Andrea Kay and myself. We'll be right back. Ed Martin on The Andrea Kay Show. Back in a moment.
0: A.K., Dynamite in address or just Andrea Kay. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego.
2: Welcome back. It's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay, and we need to catch up. I can't not catch up with John Schlafly. He comes frequently on my radio show, uh, and I love to have him on when I'm on Andrea Kay's show because, uh, it, well, the listeners love him, and I, I also, it gives me a chance early on when I'm filling in for Andrea Kay uh, on a program in these two hours to talk about my work. I, I had the great privilege of working with the late Phyllis Schlafly, who was an iconic figure in American life, period. Especially political life, and uh, one of the great conservatives in uh, American history, at, sort of at the from about 1946 until 2016, at the center of almost every major conservative uh, arguments, fight, and uh, election uh, battle. And her son John Schlafly, her oldest son John, continues her work uh, with me. We work at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, and he also writes a weekly column. Uh, so welcome back, John, Andrea K. Show different listeners today. Um, John, uh, one thing. I often talk about your mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly, and I mentioned you continue her weekly column with your brother. The two of you write a column. She really was a writer. I mean, at the heart of everything she did, she was always writing.
3: Yes, that's true, uh, Ed. She wrote every day, and uh, but she but she wrote for a popular audience, and uh, was not was nothing tedious about it. It was li- lively, and uh, her writings were often you know reproduced. So, yeah, she was.
2: Well, and, and, and by the way, unless, the...
3: I don't want to overlook for your San Diego audience that Phyllis was a great friend and supporter of San Diego's great uh, congressman, Duncan Hunter Sr. Oh,
2: yeah. In fact,
3: Phyllis even supported him when he ran for president. That's right. Um, so, uh, the congressman is, uh, you know, I don't know if he's listening to this uh, program, but if he is, uh, I certainly want to wish him best good wishes.
2: Well, that's right. I remember Phyllis saying, uh, saying that. And if you look at who she endorsed for president, um, they didn't all become president, but she was right about them. I mean, she early on, she was a Buchanan supporter, Duncan Hunter. Of course, uh, Donald Trump, you and I both were gratified to see that there was a piece written, I think, in Politico where uh, as a line in the midst of it, they said, you know, Phyllis Schlafly, one of the early earliest conservatives to back Donald Trump certainly was true. But again, John, she did it in large part by writing. She wrote about Donald Trump and what he said and what he was talking about, policy issues, why he was in the succeeding. And and, um, my point on that is a lot of people run around and say, be a reader, be a reader. And while it's very important to be a reader and people need to learn how to read and our public schools are not reading enough, being a writer is really uh, important, too. And I think that's something that uh, Phyllis showed. Didn't necessarily preach on it because it's, it's not as easy as you said to be uh, lively. I I'm often uh, interested. You and I talking on Monday and Tuesday as you get ready to write your column. It's not that easy to find a timely co- column uh, a topic every week. But but anyway, that was my point on uh, on the uh, writing thing. I, I I would be remiss. Uh, we're going to have him on later on in the show. John Woody Woodrum is a, a great uh, fr- was a great friend of Phyllis Schlafly, and he's still a great leader of conservatives conservatives in California.
3: well um san diego uh, has a reputation of being the the relatively sane and sensible city in the <laughs> California, so it was the uh, i mean the last major city that had a republican mayor, i guess although even that was quite a few years ago yeah but um uh it's it's a great place i've i've been there um wonderful place to live. Uh, the Republican convention was
2: that's right San Diego could, in know,
3: 1996. That was a tremendous tremendous event. Uh,
2: you know, John. Uh, John, let me, let me. That reminds me of something. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly. One of her books is uh, How the Republican Party became pro-life and she took a lot of pride in the fact that at those conventions including i think there's a story that dole was uh was was wanting to soften the platform on on pro-life as he was the nominee that year and uh that didn't fly with phyllis schlafly and other conservatives and and one of her proudest achievements as we watched roe v wade go into the dustbin of history uh was that the republican party platform stayed very pro-life and it was a battle periodically to make sure uh, and it was a battle that was regular, but periodically it got really contested.
3: It was a statement of principle in the party platform, not uh actual legislation, but uh, uh you know the 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 right to life of the unborn child must be respected now of course that what well, the effect of all that is that almost all Republicans say they're pro-life even though what they mean by that is uh varies across the board and i was just looking just uh, yesterday in fact where governor of new hampshire chris sununu mm-hmm. who i guess is the brother and son of former governors and senators of new hampshire so it's a uh you know he's the heir of a legacy there and he's you know he has said he's waffled a little bit on the issue but uh he did sign a, a bill uh, that passed the New Hampshire legislature passed, uh, setting some limits on abortion that apply after Roe versus Wade. So maybe that's the best we can do in New Hampshire, but um, you know, we're a long way even from there in states like California, New Mexico, Illinois, and so forth, which have basically in minnesota the most recent one which right. basically legalized Damn. abortion all the way up to the moment of birth which is uh which is cruel it's barbaric it's just unacceptable and we just can't allow any state to get away with that
2: uh we're talking with john schlafly who is uh a one of the the leaders of the phyllis schlafly eagles uh and himself a columnist over townhall.com our, our sister site uh over there and archived at PhyllisSchlafly.com. um john the um shifting gears a little bit um the uh you know the late phyllis slapley after the soviets the communists soviets the soviet union fell um she turned a considerable amount of her attention to the problem of the communist chinese would it be safe to say john and we've talked a lot about this that that it's the communist part of this That's a problem. I mean, you know, I I don't know that we all have a sense of how, you know, corrupt or not corrupt Russia is or the Ukraine is or but we know a communist nation has a set of a system. That's really incompatible with ours. I mean, and, and this is the 200th anniversary. This is what we've talked about. 200th anniversary this year of the Monroe Doctrine, which was about don't bring your system into our hemisphere. That was what Monroe said. He didn't say don't bring your people. We People are different. But if you bring a system in that and, and it feels like um, Trump changed the uh, dynamic a bit on China. Uh, people were willing to put t- tariffs on and all. But I'm not sure um, it, it, we've won that battle to understand that the communist Chinese regime is opposed to America in a, a fundamentally. It's not a. It's not an argument about what kind of uh, democracy you want, or even whether you want a democracy, a monarchy, or whatever. It's it, it's different. And I, do you think I'm right on that? And what's your thoughts on it?
3: Well, China is in bringing its system. That's a good word uh, to basically all over the third world, which includes. Uh, all of the Western Hemisphere south of the Rio, River Rio Grande, and uh, system. I mean, it's a form of colonialism, really. Now, people. I don't know why people don't use the word colonialism. They use that for when the Great Britain imposed its system on the Third World in the 18th and 19th centuries. But today, in the 20th, and I mean, ever since, I will say the 21st century. Uh, China is by far the dominant player in the kind of neo colonialism in which it's imposing its system through using the money that it has accumulated by free trade with the United States to impose its system all over our hemisphere, Latin America, by owning infrastructure, by building infrastructure, and then you know, forcing essentially. Uh, forcing the people in those countries to pay tribute to China, to pay off the debt. That's their system. That's they, China calls it the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, but it's a system. And uh, the, the United States has been crowded out, essentially, of many of these countries in uh, the Western Hemisphere, and as contrary to the Modro doctrine, we shouldn't let them get away with it.
2: Well, and then we're talking with John Schlappley again. Also, John, right here in uh, San Diego, of course, I mean, you talk about, uh, uh, you know, Qualcomm and you talk about the, the again, the, the the Chinese communist system does not respect intellectual property patents the same way. It's just not a, they, they don't respect national sovereignty either, but I mean, they certainly don't respect uh, um, uh, the, uh, the intellectual property, which is a huge, you know, they've been able to leapfrog hundreds of years of, of innovation that America did by stealing a lot of it. Um, And so, uh, John I know you've written on the subject are, are you sick of these um uh, Chinese uh, weather balloons or whatever they are I mean what what uh, at this point we're shooting down whatever there, there's a plastic bag in the air over uh, over uh, America we're going to shoot it down right now is it, what, what, is this story run its course
3: <laughs> well if there were if they were really weather balloons <laughs> and I, I don't think it would be a concern but uh, of course uh, we don't think they are limited to uh, weather uh we don't really know we haven't been told what the payload of these uh, flying objects were or are and how many others there might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, we the first b- balloon we only s- discovered because it was so big. Or the, the four more recent ones were much smaller and probably would have been overlooked if we hadn't been on heightened sensitivity for watching what's crossing into the Western hemisphere, but we still don't know what's in them or what they're doing or what their purposes were or, and they, our government has not announced whether the most recent objects, they call them, Mm uh, uh, who put them up there. Right. We don't even
2: know if we don't know if they're Chinese uh, is the point, right? How were they?
3: And by the way, uh, is the United States, uh, have similar craft flying over China? I hope we do. Uh, they're not telling us you need to be, yeah, you know, but, but, high, we need to be high okay. up watching what they're doing.
2: You know, by chance, John, I was re- re- listening to a book on tape driving to work and it was it's called Spy Fail. And there's a chapter on our old friend Shane Osborne uh, and the, the the spy plane, the American spy plane that crash landed in China and um and the book has a lot more now unclassified reports reporting on how much we lost because frankly the plane didn't crash or didn't jettison in the ocean um it, it landed They got a lot of stuff. The Chinese did anyway. but it's so you're you're, to your point on, um, I I hope we're up there watching. I I, thought I'm not sure that we know, but all right, John, I got to run anyway. I'm I'm out of time. John Schlafly, everybody. If you go to phyllisschlafly.com, you will see John Schlafly's columns archive there. And the massive writings of the late Phyllis Schlafly. She wrote for decades and decades, incredibly valuable, incredibly thoughtful on everything from the continuing validity of the Monroe doctrine, which we just talked about to the importance of learning how to read and, and how, uh, uh, problematic the public schools are that they've uh, moved away from uh, teaching reading uh, by phonics and on and on and on there's a there's something for everybody if you go there phyllis i'm ed martin i'm filling in for andrea k here on the andrea k show and uh, we'll be back in a moment we'll take a break again dot to check all of john's stuff be right back ed martin on the andrea k show back in a moment
0: AK dynamite and address or just Andrea K whatever you call her don't call her fake news it's the Andrea Kay show on the answer San Diego
2: welcome back welcome back Ed Martin again and our next guest is Dr. Paul Kengor. and I, I have been reading Paul his books for years uh, but also he is a great columnist and he's I, I don't know how he does it he writes all the time he's also now the editor at the American Spectator go to spectator.org and he posted uh, I don't know like a day or two ago a, a, a column yesterday uh, more trial balloons for Biden and they're not going to stop now one of of the reasons i mentioned paul's books is he's written books books on communism on history but he also has honed in on uh ronald reagan and especially key people around reagan including uh the very well-known californian uh judge clark uh, the late judge william clark uh so welcome uh, uh, dr paul kanger who's at grove city college that wears many hats welcome to the program how are you yeah good ed thanks good to be back so um you know Paul, uh, this piece goes, I think, it's very helpful. It basically gives a context that that our enemies are always testing a president and they did it to Reagan. They've done it to everybody. And that that your your assertion in this is that they're testing Biden. Uh, Walk us, first of all, through uh, who William P. Clark was in Reagan's world and how and what you're describing this piece and then what you think is happening now. Yeah,
1: sure, Ed. So I, I knew Bill Clark really well. In fact, I was his biographer. And the biography came out, I think, 2006 and through Ignatius Press, uh, it was called The Judge. And Bill Clark, who was Reagan's you know, top hand, his, his right-hand man in the strategy to win the Cold War, foreign policy, national security policy. And Bill Clark told me a lot of stuff that that he should have put in a memoir and that he was he was too humble <laughs> to write memoirs, turn down all of these offers. But one of the ones that he he told me, one of the incidents that, that really kind of struck me in the last few days, watching the these, these satellites or balloons or whatever there is that are, that are being shot down. He told me about when he first became National Security Advisor in 1982, and it was about a year into Reagan's presidency, and Clark and the others on his team, they were on the watch for where the Soviets were going to test us. And they thought it might be in Berlin, right? Like what happened to President John F. Kennedy with the Berlin crisis and the Berlin Wall, August 1961. And it turned out to be in Nicaragua, Managua, Nicaragua. By the way, that was. Daniel Ortega and the Sandinistas, and and listen up, folks. Ortega is back. He's yeah, yeah, he's president. Yeah. He's president of Nicaragua right now. It's, yeah. it's completely crazy. But but this was the communist leadership there, and Reagan was trying to keep the Soviets out of Central America, and all the liberals were squawking that, oh, they don't want to be in Central America. You're just crazy. Yeah. And, and but 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 we knew better than that. We knew this was part of kind of like an international communist conspiracy Moscow working with Nicaragua and Cuba and everybody else so we had um, information and satellite photos of a really large airport landing strip takeoff strip being built kind of west of Managua and when we tried to inquire into it the Sandinistas said that this was for tourism (laughs) you know everybody in the world had, right they're just all dying to go to communist Nicaragua right? right but 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 looking at the size of it our DOD people and other people said that is not for you know, Pan Am jets. I mean, that, that's a military. That's, that's a military airport. And by the way, the commies, Sandinistas, because they're commies and communism doesn't work and bankrupts your system, they, they don't have the money for this. So the Soviets were bankrolling it and they were going to land MiGs in there. So Clark and the others briefed Reagan on this and Reagan got really angry about it. And he told Secretary of State Al Haig, he said, you, you, tell, you tell Anatoly dabrinin who was the Soviet ambassador, right. that if the Soviets put MiGs in there, we're going to take him out within 24 hours. Wow. And and that message was communicated and the Soviets did not put MiGs in there. But, but the Soviets learned an important lesson, which is that Reagan is tough. He has backbone. They're not going to mess with him. So, so yeah, they do. Our adversaries do this with all the different leaders, and, and I would say that Joe Biden really, really failed his first test in August of 2021, 20th anniversary of 9/11, when he let the Taliban take back Afghanistan, right, right. and and basically our adversaries have been testing him ever since. The Russians going into Ukraine, uh, China doing various things. And China, about two weeks ago, put up a spy balloon at about 60,000 feet that the Biden administration and the Pentagon allowed to fly all the way over the continental US, taking pictures of missile silos in Montana, over your area, Ed, in the Midwest, right? Headed toward the East Coast. And then they didn't shoot it down until it was over the Atlantic, at which point it had had about a week of pictures. Yeah, to, to transmit back to Beijing. And, and since that downing, I guess it would have been about 10 or 12 days ago, we've now had Three additional shootdowns. In fact, when that article at, at American Spectator that I wrote that's up right now, we posted that uh, yesterday at I think around one o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Right.
1: Uh, it's already old. There's been a fourth shootdown. Yeah, I, I saw that. Which, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, over over Lake Huron and you know near Michigan or Wisconsin that uh, happened yesterday. In fact, I left the Super Bowl uh, at my watching of the Super Bowl on TV about 7.15 to hear a Pentagon briefing on the latest. So, that, so that's four shoot downs in the last 10 or 12 days under Biden. Are they all coming from the Chinese or is some from the Chinese? Could North Korea be involved? Could Russia be involved or Iran? I don't know. But as I said, you know, that that first spy balloon, I think that was a trial balloon for Joe Biden by our adversaries. And I think we're going to see more and more... Um, more and more trial balloons over the over the next days and maybe weeks.
2: We're talking with uh, Dr. Paul Kengor and, and Dr. Kengor is at Grove City College He's a professor there and also is the uh, editor of uh, American Spectator. And he's got a piece up. I'll put it up on social media. Spectator dot org is where you can go to read all the stuff. But um, uh, Dr. Kengor, um, if it's a test of Biden, His reaction has been and and so so Reagan had this mentality, uh, you know, I think it was his mentality in general, but he certainly had this mentality public facing of deciding he was going to decide it was going to be like this. We win, you lose. You know, uh, you put those planes there. We're going to blow up people. People knew. Sort of what they were getting, and and is that we, with with President Biden? I don't think we know what we're getting, right? I don't think we know. We, you know, it looks like there uh, one of the uh, maybe it was the briefing you were listening to. One of our people was asked, "Do we send uh, balloons over China?" And the answer is no. At least publicly, the answer is no. I got to think we do something, right? right? But but is is, sure. is the is the problem President Biden's sort of decision-making or or is it, is is the problem, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, it it feels like that.
1: Yeah. Well, it it does feel like that. And, 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 you know, I guess I'll give him credit. He he did place the initial order. I think it was on a Wednesday to shoot down the Chinese spy balloon. And then I think they shot it down Friday because they waited for it to get over the continental uh, United States at that point. But, uh, they, they do this to all presidents. John F. Kennedy came in January 1961. The Bay of Pigs was April 1961, which he failed miserably. And in fact, he had the Vienna Summit with Nikita Khrushchev in June 1961. And James Scotty Reston of the New York Times said to him, he said, hey, how did it go? And JFK said, it was the worst thing in the world. Khrushchev thinks I'm weak. He rolled right over me. And then came the building of the Berlin Wall, Two months later, and then a year after that, we discover uh, Soviet missiles in Cuba. <laughs> so, yeah, none of that happened under Eisenhower b- yeah. before Kennedy, and, and and with Biden, I would say to to Biden supporters who who are thinking, well, I'm not giving them enough credit because he he ordered the, that it be shot down last week. Uh, the, his major failed first test was the Taliban in Afghanistan, right. and, and you, know, they, you know that after that. Putin went into the Ukraine, and 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 Putin did not invade the Ukraine. Okay, under Donald Trump, and and liberals listening, if as much as you think Trump is a wild man and everything else, right. you have got to admit Putin behaved himself with with, with Ukraine for four years, and in, in fact, the previous time that that he, that he had invaded Ukraine, the Crimea, was under Barack Obama. You know, the, who said uh, in an open mic moment. To Dmitry Medvedev, um, I'll have more flexibility after the election, right? Right. Right. And he said, "Oh, good. I tell that to Vladimir." (laughs) And so, 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 what the president says, what he conveys, the image, the image that that he. Portrays in public, uh, these are all areas that that, that enemies prey upon, and you know, not all of the world is like you know uh, you know wimpy, carefree, patsy uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada, um, who you know who wouldn't wouldn't hit a fly with a fly swatter, right? right. The world is filled with bad guys like Putin and Xi, and uh, and, you know, and 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 the Iranian leadership and 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 little Kim. So the, you know, those are the guys that um, exploit you. Reagan said, "If you're, if we learned long ago, if you were going to approach the Russians with a dove of peace in one hand, you had to have a sword in the other." And that's something that Biden needs to
2: understand. Uh, we're talking again, Dr. Paul Kengar, he's editor of the American Spectator, professor of political science over at Grove City College. I'm looking at a list of his uh, many books. And and one of the, the things that I think is valuable, uh, Paul, about your perspective on this is you, you've written a number of times about the dynamic between leaders, you know, your, your book on John Paul II and, and Reagan, um, a pope and a president, you know, how people are interacting with these leaders. It, it does, as you point out, it it, it is a factor. It, it's In fact, it maybe the factor uh, in terms of mm-hmm. dramatic shifts um what uh, one more question though you you have written a number of books also on uh, one is called dupes how americans adversaries have been Manipulate, manipulated by Co- progressives for a century but uh, on communism and on the the um infiltration of our country spy balloons is not our problem i hate to say this i mean we don't want them we should be tougher we should be more mm-hmm. serious but the 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 communist chinese like the communist Soviets, their system of operating is is going to be spying on us, infiltrating us, whether you take TikTok or you go and understand that every major company is being hacked or or they're trying to hack or they're buying them or and we have hundreds of thousands of academics, uh, students in academic universities and professors. I mean, we have a much bigger problem with the Chinese spying on us all around us, don't we?
1: Well, we do, and, and and I would say too. Even and this is where I thought you were going to go with this originally, Ed. Our, our internal uh, rot, right? Where uh, you, you've seen some of the videos out there of uh, you know comparing our new CRT woke military with um, you know four star Admiral Rachel Levine, and and you know and, and and trading Russian <laughs> arms dealers that we held for people like uh, you know, vaping doping uh you know Great. wnba lgbtq star uh Brittany, i can't i can't remember her last Reiner? name but Greiner, but Reiner? yeah yeah exactly and and you, and you see that compared to the you know, the russians and the chinese and how they train they they really do they really do see us as wimps they they really do and 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 so it's not just biden the person but as they see the kind of cultural liberalism turning our once proud U.S. military into this woke, pronoun, non-binary, gender-neutral toilet military, uh, they, they, they laugh at us. They think we're a joke. So so the, they, they really feel that they can exploit us at a kind of systematic level. You're right. I mean, spying on us is what they do all the time. But under this current administration and the Democrats, I think they feel that we're um, even bigger dupes, suckers, and patsies. And they could take greater advantage of us than ever before.
2: Well, it is um, uh, important. Uh, I'm glad you wrote this piece, also to to uh, to keep talking about uh, Judge William Clark and his incredible role. Uh, there's, there's there's these heroic characters in in lives of uh, great people like Ronald Reagan. Um, so, and this is a great perspective. So, thank you, Dr. Paul Kanger. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll we'll make sure to have you on again very soon.
1: Sounds good, Ed. Thanks a lot.
2: Okay. We'll take a break, everybody, and I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin, and you're on The Answer San Diego. Be right back.
0: A.K., Dynamite in the Dress, or just Andrea K., whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's The Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego.
2: Welcome back. It's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay. And one of Andrea Kay's friends is my friend, Woody Woodrum. Woody Woodrum has been a longtime conservative leader and activist. Uh, he was very close to the late Phyllis Schlafly, who uh, we talked about with John Schlafly earlier. Woody mentioned your name there. And uh, and Phyllis relied on Woody, especially in San Diego and the area, but more and more uh, both across California and nationally. So welcome back. Woody Woodrum, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing just wonderful. Good to hear your voice again. So listen, I I wanted to ask you uh we were pinging back and forth uh about in March there'll be another California the GOP convention. What's the state of uh of play in California? I will tell people, you know, yeah, okay, only 30 or 40% of California is conservative is Republican, maybe a better way to say it Republican, but that's 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 a lot of millions of people. So, but what's happening at the party level in California?
4: well out of the 37 million people you're right we've got about uh about 24% uh, are registered republicans but a lot of people in california uh, of the republican party especially the conservative arm are very frustrated with the direction that california seems to be taking mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> march and uh, the 10th uh, the, the 10th through the 12th of march is the convention in sacramento and one of the things that's uh, kind of brewing out there is a lot of the people that ran who are eligible to uh provide delegates and assign delegates which would be anybody that ran for a state office or a federal office uh they are they are frustrating with this last outcome of this election which was supposed to be such a great uh, red wave we actually lost a state assembly seat we lost a state senate seat and um you know and but we we did pick up a kind of left-handed we picked up a congressional seat Uh, But they actually, we lost a seat overall due to population leaving the state of California. And they combined two of the uh, districts, which were very conservative districts. So they said that we picked up one. Um, It's just, uh, you know, the the leadership has not been there. The people have been frustrated with it. And uh, that's what this is a uh, convention that we're going to be electing a new board, uh, new board of directors for the Republican Party. And I think that there's going to be a lot of grassroots that are showing up for it a lot of activity going on a lot of people frustrated and a lot of people want to see something done you know it's like if you have if you have a ceo of a company that isn't performing why would you want to keep that ceo on again and again and again and that's well, that's kind of the direction it seems to be going
2: we're talking with woody woodrum and and woody um uh the um Explain that again to to uh, I didn't know it well, I remember you it echoed in my head when you said, but explain it to our listeners. Uh, the convention will be made up of exactly whom uh, tell me again, who, who is eligible to be at the convention.
4: All right, it's a little convoluted, okay. but it would be anybody who ran for a state office like governor or treasurer or secretary of state, something like that for the state of California, anybody who ran for a state assembly seat, uh anybody who ran and were the top vote getters. They have to be the top vote getters for the Republican Party.
1: Okay.
4: So for a state assembly seat, a state sem- senate seat or a congressional seat or if they ran for US Senate and they were the top vote getter depending on the votes that they uh, that they received in the election cycle would depend on how many delegates they're offered. They're allowed to assign. So they would be a delegate as an ex, what they call an ex officio. And then whoever supported them and whoever they want to assign would also be a delegate. And those are the voting members of the state party. Those are the ones who so, decide. So
2: if you're the county chair <clears throat> in, in San Diego, you don't go as a delegate? Well, actually, the t- county chairs, yes, they do go, and oh. the county chairs are also
4: allowed to assign delegates. And there's a there's a there's a formula that they use. You know, how many people did you register as Republican? How many uh, uh, do you have a plan of uh, fundraising, et cetera, et cetera? There's I different see. things that they can that they can they can also get delegates to assign.
2: Okay. Okay. So so it ends it ends up being uh, and, and when you say uh someone is like say the assembly candidate, you're either going to win that race if you're the Republican assemblyman, you're going to have uh, a obvious or you got the most votes. But by the way, that's a good that's a that's a clever way to make sure you get people filing for every position, I suppose. Right? I mean, you'll get that that because yeah. you, you might not be able to um uh the uh you know for, um the Uh, you might not be able to win, but you might, that might be a second, you might try hard and it might be a secondary role of the, all right. So what's the big showdown? Is it, is it chairman and, and how, um, and how dominant is it when you're speaker of the house of the United States house of representatives is Kevin McCarthy from Bakersfield, California. Does he, does he have the ability to sway the, uh, the state party?
4: Well, absolutely, he does, and uh, you know that. I mean, that is, uh, you know, that's a big hammer that he carries. And uh, one of the things that uh, the our current chairman, uh, a lady by the name of Jessica Patterson, uh, he's kind of they have been kind of working together for you know maybe a decade or so. And uh, but there's there's some things going on here in the state of California. The the people in California that are part of the party uh, and part of the voting apparatus do not like what they have. they, they call proxies. And this is one of the things that they have done that the establishment has done very well over the years is they have collected proxies. This would be somebody's vote that is not going to uh, that is not going to the convention, so somebody somebody can carry it. Now Kevin did a really good thing when he took over speaker of the house, which the Freedom Caucus uh, kind of pushed him into, and he said. There are no more proxies. You were voted into this. You show up for your job and you vote. You cannot well, well, have to a proxy. Sure let, cl- let
2: me clarify that. What are you? What are you? You're referring to the fact that uh, people don't even realize this. Na- During COVID, Nancy Pelosi and the and the and the Congress said you don't have to vote. You can give your vote to someone else. So you don't have to come to town. So you don't have to be exposed to COVID. That was going on right. until just last uh, two three weeks ago. So that's for voting in the U.S. House. And I think in the Senate, you're, but now we're back to the state. I think I know where you're going. So the, the, the Kevin McCarthy <laughs> wanted to get rid of it in in, in, in his own uh, uh, body, the U.S. House. However, in the California GO, GOP convention, what's going to happen?
4: Well, that's that's one of the things that we're wondering. If it's if it's good enough for the Congress, why isn't it good enough for the state Republican Party of the Cal- state of California? Right. You know that you you, you know you 're selected as a delegate which is a which is an awesome responsibility and if you 're selected as a delegate, you should show up now i mean yeah. there are you know there would be exceptions you know if you 're military service or if there was a, you know if there was a you had to be in the hospital or something like that there there are things that are written in rules. Uh, that would allow something like that in in those instances. But uh, as a normal everyday, I mean, we don't have that many meetings. There's uh, in the non-presidential year, there are two meetings a year. And in the presidential election year, there's one meeting a year. So over a two-year period, you have to go to three three meetings. And the assignment for a delegate is two years.
3: Hmm.
4: So we're just trying to get more activity instead of Instead yeah. of the establishment going out and collecting these votes and running things the way that the, the, the way that the establishment wants to run them, we want more grassroots involvement. We want more people in the grassroots to be part of the party and part of the process. And if we can get more grassroots and, and stop some of this this bickering back and forth, I think we would have a much stronger Republican Party. I think we'd have a much stronger state of California. And, the, you know, they say, as the state of California goes, so goes the nation. Well, right now, I see that, you know, living here in California, I'm I'm afraid about the nation.
2: Uh, we're talking with again with uh, Woody Woodrum, our guest. Woody, Um, how about uh, you? You had a very unique position uh, in the last in the 2016 election cycle in particular. Uh, I, you, you yourself were an early you caught the you. He caught your attention, candidate Donald Trump. And you were uh, someone who saw early that they that. And then you became the coordinator. I think I got this right for volunteers uh, in California uh, for Trump and tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of phone calls made in other into other States, because we knew California couldn't want, how does California, there may be a primary for the presidential, uh, race again, it looks like there will be, how does California look for, uh, the, the Republican presidential primary? If you had to look at it now, is it Trump country? Is it wide open? Is it, what's your sense?
4: Well, I think it's a little bit more open than it was before. Of course, uh, there's some, you know, the, the, the media has done a really good job of sabotaging Trump and everything that he's done. So there are some people who were very strong sim- Trump supporters before who are saying, well, I'm not real sure now. Uh, and then there's some, there some of the establishment who are coming out and said, I definitely wouldn't support him. Uh, no, no way, shape or form. I think it's going to come down, my, my personal opinion, I think it's going to come down between uh, Trump and DeSantis. And uh, I think that it's kind of split here in California. You know, people, the establishment, uh, they, you know, they would probably it's one of those things that my gut feel is, is they would align with DeSantis because they don't want to align with Trump. It's not that they like DeSantis so much, but they just don't like Trump. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a lot of uh, a lot of the conservatives that still, you know, they're still on board with Trump. Uh, you know the MAGA movement is still very strong. There's still uh, people that rally, uh, you know, that are doing rallies around the state of California. Uh, there's a lot of grassroots meetings that go on every month in, in almost every county in the state of California of our 58 counties. So there's there's a lot of grassroots that's out there, and I think that uh, not to be able to tap into that would be you know it would be a shame not to be able to tap into that and use that to get uh, to get some of these other seats because the important thing is. <clears throat> is that if if you have a presidential election and people are working for that, then the down ballot races can follow along in their coattails. And right now we have we have a super, super Democrat liberal majority in the state of California. So the Republicans are basically non-existent in, in the state assembly and in the state Senate. Hmm.
2: Wow! Wow! All right. Well, listen, Woody Woodrum. As always, thank you for uh, coming on next uh, next hour on the Andrea K. Show. We will uh, hear from Cynthia Hughes of the Patriot Freedom Project uh, on the January 6th defendants. We'll also hear from Mark Mix on uh, what is happening uh, with workers in this country. So a lot more. And I'm Ed Martin. I'm filling in for Andrea K. Happy to do so. I appreciate her very much, and uh, looking forward to uh, to next hour. So thank you to Woody Woodrum and uh, all that he does, and uh, and thank you to the listeners. We'll take a break uh, and we will be back. It's Ed Martin here on the Andrea K Show. Uh, and as I said, uh, back in a moment.